0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Firm Returns Weekly. This week we've got trading updates from Accor Resources and Taylor Maritime investments to go through. And then we've got some other updates on Tynan as well, so let's dive straight into it on my screen. Okay. So, let's start off with the Acora Resources. So Ikora Resources released their Q3 trading update this week. Portfolio contribution was down significantly at $5.8 million versus $14.7 million in Q2, due primarily to low production volumes at Kestrel and Voices Bay. The lower production volumes at Kestrel with the result of operations moving outside Ikora's Royalty Area as previously guided. and It is expected that operations will move back inside Ikora's Royalty Area towards the end of Q4 with materially higher volumes in H1 2024. Production at Voices Bay was limited to a single delivery due to maintenance at the Long Harbour refinery um, they're going to be expected another three deliveries scheduled for Q4 in 2023, and a significant ramp up in production volumes expected in 2024 as the mining operations move from above ground to underground, which was supposed to have happened uh, this year, I believe, but it's kind of taken a bit longer than they're anticipating. And now um, it's the completion of and the full ramping up. Of the underground operations is expected to occur next year. So we've got a, this is taken from that uh, trading update. We've got a breakdown of the different elements of the portfolio contribution here. So you can see Boise's Bay down significantly. And this is not the level it would be at if it was fully ramped up anyway. Um, yeah, it looks like. Um, Because they also, yeah, you've got to take away the cost of streams, uh, cost of sales for the metal streams here as well. Uh, But so this top figure here, half a million or whatever, is uh, not the full picture anyway. But yeah, um, fully ramped up. Voice of will be significantly more than this. Obviously, there's also being hit by lower cobalt prices than we had last year. Um, So, as well, you've got the double whammy of volumes being down and um, sale prices being down as well. Um, Copper, it's interesting, Mantis Blancas, which is one of the, well, I suppose it's a a little larger, but it certainly wasn't supposed to be making a larger contribution than Voice Bay, is actually uh, producing the largest contribution out of the. Core portfolio. Um, we've got Kestrel down here, runoff, which is down just a million for this quarter, and it'd been nine point one in the last. So it's certainly quite a bit. So really, with Voices Bay ramping up next year, we'd hope that this is going to come up to to match. I mean, it won't do nine point one because that's obviously with cash kind of over-earning quite significantly um, due to very high coal prices and the change in the royalty uh, scaling um, that we saw in Australia. But yeah, so I think really when everything is running fully and, and rates are at, Resources are at more reasonable levels. The portfolio contribution I think you would expect from the core portfolio would be something like 10 million. So we're probably running at about just below half of what it would be with everything, including Voices Bay, fully ramped up. Um, Because I think they said it was something like the average for Kestrel's life has been about 42 million, I think. And they were saying that the core portfolio now with Voices Bay and plays and so on, should should be able to match that. So, so forty two million for the for the whole year. So on a quarterly basis, it'd be about ten million a quarter. Um, so yeah, I think that's the expectation that overall these all these these components of the core portfolio will match that. And then that's obviously before we get all the growth assets coming in, like West Musgrave, Santo Domingo, this which is the new one they've got and everything, and also POE um, potentially coming on at some point as well. So all of those will be over and above the 10 million kind of core for further contributions. Anyway, um, yep, yeah, it's kind of all in line. We are expecting a bit of a rough quarter, but um, overall for the year is still pretty well. And I think well, I think the contributions for this quarter don't actually cover the payments for West Musgrave, which I think were like $9.2 million or something. Um, and there's another one, final one, due in January, maybe. Um, so, yeah, those those will need to be drawn down on the revolving credit facility, I think. Um, but, yeah, hopefully things will ramp up according to schedule next year. And then um, before too long, we'll start to see some of these um, growth assets that added to the portfolio start to come online and get contributions from them as well. Anyway, let's move on to Taylor Maritime Investments. So we also had a trading update from T- uh, TMI. Um, net asset value per share on the 30th of September had fallen to $1.31 versus one dollar fifty-six on the thirtieth of June, largely due to the low charter rates seen during the quarter, which pulled down the valuations. Um, uh, these are being independently valued by. I think they take the average of two different brokers, ship brokers, something like that, to to get the values. So, yeah, it's not not the company controlling these or anything. Um, so yeah, the obviously the market rates. Uh, the brokers were seeing for similar sized um, ves- and age vessels had fallen um, but yeah something to note here though is that since the quarter end asset values have recovered back to their June levels in line with the recovery and charter rates um, yeah we can kind of see the charter rates on this graph down here which I'll get onto in a minute have come back up and so that sort of had a similar effect on the fair market values of of the vessels. So you can see from the chart below, and this is a chart of market spot rates in the last 12 months versus net average time charter rate for TMI. Um, You can see from the chart below that TMI's chartering strategy has kept rates above market levels much of the last year, but they're now converging with the index as long-term contracts come to an end and they've avoided signing new ones at lower rates. Management is anticipating stronger rates in Q4, which is which the fleet is positioned to capture. So the rates have come up and they have actually sort of flattened a little bit um at this level that they're at now. But if you look at the the Baltic handy size index now, you can see that. Um so we haven't seen that extra ramping up there, talking about NQ4 yet. But um, yeah, they, you can see here from this graph that their are charging strategy of having fixing in contracts so that um, a mix of short, medium and long-term ones um, has helped to smooth it out a little bit and stop it seeing these troughs. They haven't had the rates down at the bottom, which has been sort of around about 6,000, Five six thousand dollars per day, which would be uh wouldn't be profitable at all. They've been able to avoid that and just keep rates up a little bit higher by um locking in contracts for a long duration, but because of the soft rates we've seen this year, they haven't been able to lock in um new longer term rates they have done for some I think they said something like twenty nine percent of the f- fleet days the rest of the year locked in for or oh, maybe the next twelve months or something. Um, are locked in at um here we go. For the rest of twenty twenty three, yeah, are locked in at a blended average um time drive equivalent rate of twelve thousand two hundred dollars. So yeah, they're locked in just well, just over a quarter of rates. Um, of the vessels in a rate that's fairly favourable above the market rate at the moment, which I guess is the the charterers, the companies, um, charting out these vessels are uh, anticipating prices to go up, so they're locking in a rate a little bit above the current rate, um, in order to. Protect against that. So that gives you a guidance of where maybe the market sees rates going from here. But anyway. Um so the blended time charter rate for the combined TMI and grindrod fleet was circa ten thousand seven hundred dollars per day at quarter end and has since risen to ten thousand nine hundred dollars per day. This is below the equivalent blended break-even of eleven thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars including debt interest costs, so they still need to see some improvement in charter rates for the fleet to be positively cash-flowing again. They're also working to reduce the break-even value through operational efficiencies afforded by the business combination. No specific target has been given, but management has said anything up to $1,000 per day reduction um, could be possible. That's uh, across the fleet. Um so yeah, and they've talked about a few different things. Um buying insurance, um, doing the changing the dry docking. Apparently, grindrod was previously dry docking their ships every two and a half years or something, uh, whereas TMI was doing it every five years. So they've got the they're now shifting grindrod to doing that, and that saves them a decent chunk of money. Um 'Cause obviously dry docking is a expensive process and uh takes the ships out of action for a significant period of time. Uh they're unifying all of the they're putting moving all the offices in the different locations. They're based in uh combining them together, moving the workforce together, which is saving some money on office rent and other things there. Um probably some uh Removal of, re- of some redundancy in the system there between the multiple teams being combined. That uh, some people they probably can it sadly, sadly for the people, but some of the people are probably no longer necessary. Um, and then I think they were also talking about of yeah the other big saving is they they don't need a separate senior management team for grindrod anymore. So. Actually, the executive team of TMI has taken over running Grindrun as well. So you're only paying one set of executive salaries, which is a pretty big saving, um, in the millions, uh, for the whole executive team. Um, so that's uh, another saving there. But yeah, there's, there's, quite a lot of, uh, other things just, um, just overall that could with the common, uh, combining the, technical and commercial managements as well so all the fleets can be maintained in, in unison in proper sort of scheduling window maybe they, they can probably get better rates as well but that doesn't really help the um the break-even cost but yeah lots of things they're working on and they didn't, they, well, they didn't want to say a specific figure but they said uh, you know, a thousand might be something they'd shoot for so we can see, see whether they able to do something around that pull so maybe they'll get it below eleven thousand as the break even um right and let's see how to say here uh, well um in the meantime they've made good progress in paying down the debt with 42 million dollars being repaid during the quarter TMI's debt balance at quarter end stood at 167.6 million dollars. Equating to debt to gross, equating to a debt to gross asset ratio of twenty six point nine percent. And as they said, they said if you were to use the values now, with them having gone back up from one hundred thirty one or whatever it was um, dollars per share, it would actually be below twenty five now, which is what the the target they were shooting for previously as their target by the year end. So I think they're they are on track um to do that and um grindrods debt balance is also around a very similar ballpark um including lease liabilities it stands at 168.9 million dollars but i think the fleet value for grindrod is higher so uh the fair market value of their fleet is higher so because they have some larger ships in there still now we can have a look um there you go, yeah. You can see the Grand Rod's fleet value is quite a bit larger still. Just the the lighter blue colour here. Fair market value of the Grand Rod fleet. It's quite a bit higher than the TMI one, so the debt then on TMI, if you just look at the TMI assets would be quite a bit higher than 26.9 but that's just because of the ownership of grind rods as well so yeah they the debt situation isn't quite as um significant i guess for for grindrod but yeah the other thing that's going to be contribute towards lowering that break-even value is paying off the debt because so i think they've 91 million pounds or dollars they've saved this year you can see from these debt payments they've done tmi grind rod look through um has reduced their interest payments by about 7.7 million dollars a year which is going to make some significant headway on reducing the equivalent break even um and then further pay down of the debt is also going to Contribute towards that as well. I don't know whether if they start if the fleet reduces too much in size, and I'll get onto that in a minute about how, what sort of size they're maybe they, they see that they're prepared to take it down to. Then, way they're reducing it too far, they start to lose some of the economies of scale and stuff, and so that would raise up the bre- the blended break even again. But um, but yeah, we'll have to, have to wait and see on that one. But yeah, they so they. Moving on to the fleet, then they have a the combined owned fleet. So there's also Grindrod has some vessels that are leases and I guess subleases out from the or charters out from there as well. So the combined owned fleet comprised forty-two vessels at quarter end, twenty-one in TMI's um fleet, and twenty-one in Grindrods. But like I say, Grindrod is a bit more expensive because they have younger vessels. And I was just going to show you that. Actually. They have younger vessels, which you can see. Yeah, here we are. So Grindrod has younger vessels. So you think you can see none of them are less than uh 2010 in age. Oh, there's one 2007 one there. But yeah, they have some of these ultra ones, the larger ones. And then this, this also includes the least vessels here, I think, in this list here they've got some larger vessels here and, um, but you can see on TMI's portfolio, they've got quite, the vessels are quite a bit older average. They haven't got many that have got, um, they've they've got a new build here, um, being added to the grind as well to actually be delivered in 2024, for instance. So yeah, the average age as we'll get on to is, um, now has been lowered to ten and a half years versus thirteen. If you just look to the TMI fleet, and the average carrying capacity has been raised to forty thousand deadweight tons, which uh, versus thirty three thousand deadweight tons pre uh, with with TMI fleet pre the the grindwood acquisition. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's done had some real benefits for the company overall um but yeah they're they're looking to they they want at the moment obviously the cash the operations are, are not generating and uh, the current charter rates are not generating cash flows to cover the debt interest and so on so they don't really have any other choice other than to sell down or sell off the assets which they've been able to do at, around about now i think like the average has been 3.3 percent below NAV or something so really not not having to sell them any major discounts or anything at the moment, um, so really capturing the value that you can see in that NAV per share figure. Uh, so they've been they're continuing. I think this year they've sold fourteen vessel or this, fourteen vessels this year, and I think they're looking or this year or maybe since the Grindr acquisition. Let's say this year, um, and they're looking to they could potentially sell down as as low as down to 30 vessels so another 12 vessels from here um, potentially if they if they deem it necessary obviously if rates do pick up then it and they start getting you know the operational leverage swings them into very being very positively cash flowing again and profits ramp up it makes sense to have as much um tonnage as as possible as much capacity and in the fleet as possible because you can then capture all those higher rates. Uh, If you've sold off your, your ships, then uh, you're not available. They're not, you're not able to to capture that, but um, as much of that. So yeah, they obviously wanting to find a balance. I think I could see a fairly steady cadence of sales through the year. Effectively, Um, if rates stay around where they are now, it will just be a case of paying off the, Debt as it comes to, it. and also something else I mentioned was that the grind rod debt. So, they've TMI's debt's all been refinanced with a revolving credit facility, which means they don't have to actually make principal payments. The idea is the facility just revolves when uh, the maybe at a higher rate if interest rates change, but it sort of just revolves um, every two years or three years or whatever they have the facility length set to but with grindrod quite a lot of it is debt that has specific principal payments um included so that then means they have a burden of in not just paying the the interest they also actually have to pay down the balance as well so they're looking to potentially get this converted refinanced to the RCF like they did with um TMI's debt so it's a very similar level so it looks like I would think and with a potentially higher quality fleet as well. So there's potential um for them to do that. Um so yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um that would obviously take a bit of the pressure off them. Um they wouldn't be forced to pay down debt then they just need to uh generate have enough cash to cover the debt interest and so on. Um, but yeah, well, I have to see how they, how they go with the something's down. The share price at the moment is very significantly below, um, the net asset value of the fleet. So there's a dec- still a very decent margin of safety in there. And we can, we will hopefully see these charter rates go up a bit and uh, tip it back into in cash because I don't think it, it's not just going to be, um, TMI that's in the same situation as this in terms of their break-even costs. There'll be a very similar scenario across many other, um, other peers, which means that, yeah, rates have to go higher, really, in order for it to be attractive for people to actually think. Otherwise, people are just going to start decommissioning older vessels there. What's the point of paying the maintenance anymore? when There's quite a lot of vessels already. I think there's um, quite a good number they give a number on this as well yeah there's nine and a half percent of the handy size fleet is over 25 years old anyway and i think the average age normally for decommissioning is something like uh, retiring these vessels like 28 years so they might just all these ones that are over 25 if they're not making a profit on them anymore they might just start retiring them early uh, which then obviously quite quickly will shrink the balance uh, shift the balance of supply and demand so we should naturally push the rates up so there's there's definitely going to be some impetus for the rates to rise the company just has to has to get through uh this period which they are doing by reducing their their debt and so on with with the vessel sales which they're still able to do at Reasonably attractive prices currently. Right, okay, so and uh, yeah, I put links in here for the core resources. This link takes you to their the trading update and the London Stock Exchange. There, another one for the TMI trading update, and there's also a link to this investor presentation, which is very good. I actually saw the live investor call where they presented this as well which is good but you have to contact their investor relations to get that but if you want to just look at this presentation which had most pretty much all the same information had all the break-even stuff that i was talking about and stuff like that um then you can you can get this just through their website and the link i've given here so uh yeah very good and i think i've pretty much given all the extra context that management gave that was uh We're in anyway, so um, so yeah. Let's uh, move on to Tiny Build. So we have we had the release of Stray Souls this week on Wednesday, uh, on the the twenty fifth of October, and uh, things were looking reasonably promising prior to the release. Um, I didn't think it was going to be the top performing. uh, This was a, a a versus evil title. Um, I didn't think it. It didn't look like it was going to be as their top performing release for the year. That would probably it's going to be Broken Roads, but it was looking pretty positive. That it was going to be retailing at a pretty high price point of twenty nine dollars ninety nine, kind of like what you call maybe a double A game, starting to get into the more premium price point there. Um, and it had its wishlist ranking on Steam was three hundred fifty eighth place um which is not too bad yeah, again not as good as broken roads which is 137 but um yeah it didn't look like it would be too bad and the higher price would probably helped offset that a little bit It was also simultaneously re- releasing on xbox and playstation and had i mean i think the original trailer when they're talking um they advertised this game on on youtube had like 1.3 million views or something so there was quite a lot of anticipation for it um and this was then kind of reflected when you looked at the on the day of release we had the game immediately well they released it with a twenty percent discount on Steam to drive sales, I guess um and this would just be for a few days or whatever anyway, but no the first week of release, but so yeah, released it got on it was on the top of the new and trending list so just largely because it was new but they obviously had a decent number of wish lists which got it put on on this list here for people to that were interested in and then um they they had a a live stream on release as well that got i think it was a bit higher than this um, when i at another time but i only captured it it was about 1469 viewers but i think it was above 1500 so quite a good sort of bit of uh attention um that the game got uh so there were some early sales and it got it into i think it was 210th place i think it was um in the top selling games this was what i saw it might have gone higher or whatever but uh for a, for a time it was in the top 250 sort of selling games so yeah quite a good thing but and uh, <laughs> i'm trying to i'm trying to soften the blow a little bit but unfortunately that's where the good news ends, because the game, as thus far, had a 27.12% positive review score. (laughs) So, only 27.12% of people would record that reviewed the game, and there was uh, uh, about 100, um, close to 120, 118 reviews. And uh yeah only 27.1 percent one two percent of those uh were positive so yeah not good and in fact absolutely terrible i don't think i've ever seen such a, a, a abysmal um reception even even five world pioneers which i've complained about in the past was mixed it was like 56 percent or something like that um Positive, so it was still, still sort of middling. It had issues and so on, but people still enjoyed the game and like the console. This one, uh, most of the reviews were people. The game was not long either. I think it can be completed in six or seven hours or something. And most of the reviews were people that had actually played the complete game, completed it. So not just like giving it five minutes and then leaving a review. They put in enough time to, to play through it and. Oh, they they were not kind. <laughs> yeah. I recommend going up and having a look at reading some of those reviews. They were there was a, an awful lot of them had the word "garbage" in them. Um, put it that way. So uh, very unfortunate, really. And you can also see this reflected in the as soon as the game gets a really like mostly negative review score, it's it's pretty much dead. Um, it's going to be very difficult to drive. Uh, people to to buy it after that once they see that score yeah early on people were just buying it because they, they couldn't there was no review score to go on it was on their wish list they buy it they try it out that's how you that's how the wish lists are important it gives you that initial traffic of people coming in who then if they enjoy it and they positively review it then draw more people in they, or, or other people on the wish list will wanted to wait to see what the reviews were like and so on so um but yeah so it kind of got that bit right but um yeah the game was 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 not good by the sound of it at all um yeah and the the peak it's actually had since release was just 170 which is uh not a good good number at all peak concurrent players uh, which looks like it could be for the entire game's life 170 and just a couple of days later it's not even managing to do I don't even think it will achieve like forty today. I think it's at the peak for the last twenty four hours was forty three um at the time of writing. Um so yeah, really not really not good. And we don't know how it's done on consoles, but um and again there'll probably be some some initial sales, but uh just because people were anticip had high high hopes for it and so on, maybe. People that are certainly an audience of people that are interested, but yeah, I can't imagine people uh, anybody that's waited to read a review or anything is not going to be buying this game. So, um, so yeah, those sales they've made initially are going to soon die off. So, when you think about all those costs, so they released you know, it's a game that's going to cost $30 basically. So, they obviously had a fairly decent chunk of money spent on it. And you can see from the, sc- the screenshots and things like that that um, graphics, graphically and so on, quite a lot of work's been put into it and so on. So I don't want to think about how much money has probably been wasted on it. Um, but yeah, it's all of that's going to be amortised. <laughs> so yeah, that and I'm I very much doubt the revenue from the game is going to get even close to covering the amortization that's been set against it so yeah going to be very negative for profits for the second half of the year but um what else to say um yeah i i don't think sales are going to be great on consoles either so yeah, but and and the costs as well I'm also think if they if they spent all the money before actually if they'd put out early access or something and they could have held off on porting it or putting in all the money to port it until they'd seen the game was well received or something, that's a way of something that Tiny Bull's done quite a lot with a lot of their games. Quite often the early access release is six months or more before the, the wider console release. And that helps to, to reduce the, the risk of the money being spent on it, it's been wasted. But in this case, all that money's been spent already, because it's already been ported to the other consoles on release, so yeah, bit of a bit of a shambles. Um, a, a complete, just basically money being lit on fire from what from what I can see here. Um, and yeah, I've said here that the the failure of this title means we could be looking at just one major release for versus evil this year, assuming that Broken Roads is a success, and. I say this year, but that could be since they actually were acquired by tinyville because I look back and I can't really see anything major that would have really moved the needle there weren't any really there were games that got positive reviews and so on, but nothing that's not really anything that's made any big big numbers um at all in the, you know there's not been anything of the even the the level of like I Future or Punch Club 2 or anything like that. There's not been anything of that kind of uh level released by Versus Evil in the last in the last couple of years that, that I can see. So yeah. It's um and I crucially here as well that I think I've I've said here that something has got to change here as I can't imagine a single third party release. So again, this is a third party release, the um all the games that first year were published as a third party, but Broken Roads, which is going to potentially be their biggest uh, hit for release for the year is a third party as well so the margins, the profit margins are going to be minimal on that and they'll make back the money potentially that they invested in it and then from that point onwards it will just probably be 30% margins or something. So yeah, really not um Really not great, and it's not going to be enough, really, to to cover. I would, I would imagine, the expenses of a fifty strong publishing team, which is the headcount over at Versus Evil. So, yeah, I don't, I don't have, um, yeah, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be working in that team right now. But that way, things are, things aren't looking great. For their future. Unless unless something drastic can be done to to turn this around, but I think that would require pretty heavy handed management from Tiny Bill, which is not what they've been doing up until now. They've it's been very arm's length um with with Versus Evil leaving them leaving them to it. Um trying to give them autonomy and uh, run a sort of decentralized kind of model. Uh, but that doesn't seem to have been working very well. So um, they either need to grip the, uh, yeah, become a bit more heavy handed with the management, take a bit more direct control of how that publishing studio is managed, which is going to take time, it could take another year or more to really start getting other higher potential titles and, Hopefully, even own IP stuff on board. Um, So, like that could it could take quite a lot of time and money to get to that point. Or, um, yeah, I guess there are other options, but um, we'll have to see how it plays out. But yeah, I don't think it things can continue as they are right now. Certainly not sustainable with these kind of uh, shocking releases like *Stray Souls*. Anyway, moving on to more positive news. The Halloween update for Secret Neighbor has now been released. Uh I think this was released on the 26th. 20, yeah, 26th, 27th. Um and uh it's it's so far generated a significant boost in engagement. There's like an, another couple of characters, some new maps, um, various other things. I've not actually played Secret Neighbor, so I can't really I'm not really an authority on it. But um, from the trailers and so on I've seen, looks to be uh, some decent new content added. And uh, it's thus thus far been fairly well received from the look of it. Uh, We've seen a nice spike in engagement from the concurrent player numbers uh, since release. And yeah, so it's good to see. Uh, Yeah, the continuing engagement in a game like this. And I think... Again, PCs, but perhaps not the biggest platform for this game. So the console figures might be the other sort of background sort of player count. Console figures might be higher anyway. And then uh, we've got uh, yeah, a couple of a couple of consoles, and then they've also got mobile versions and so on. On um, and uh, certainly iOS, I think, but possibly Android as well, but I'm not sure whether they're going straight for those, uh, whether this new update goes straight to those. It might be a bit more delayed. But more broadly across the whole Hello Neighbor franchise, um, they've been in, all the titles have been included in various Halloween sales that are occurring on different platforms. So Steam has one, which you can see from the image here, um, with Secret Neighbor getting a, and Hello Neighbor getting 80% Discounts and search and rescue, I think, as well. And then you've got her neighbor to get a 50% discount. But um, yeah, and there's also sales going on on I think Xbox and PlayStation as well. So uh, across the board. Uh, so yeah, that's good to see. Uh, Driving a few more sales for these games. Um, and then I've just actually watched, um, shortly before i published this article. Oh, this uh newsletter put it out earlier today. And I've just um got back from actually watch finished watching this. Uh, which had its premiere uh I, f- I think back at quarter do well they had they had a it was quite good actually. They they basically had a process that they played through the entire season, which is about an hour, all the episodes added to, together, uh one through five added together is about an hour. It was good to actually say there was quite a bit. I'd, um, I'd watched them before, but they're so spread out by weeks or whatever in between them. I, I hadn't picked up all the details, and it flowed really nicely, actually, them all being connected together, one actually after the other. It was, it, it was quite a smooth sort of transition through. Um, yeah, uh, I think it was it was better to watch it all in, in one go um, than separated apart. And may maybe that means we need recaps or something before each episode to to help with with that because I sort of I remember coming into I think it was the fourth or fifth episode or something and it uh, probably the fourth, it being a bit feeling a bit disjointed like, Oh, what are we doing here? I like would forgotten why they were suddenly they started telling stories about them uh, following the uh Mr. Pete and the neighbour. Around town or so, and so on. I was thinking, why, why, why are they telling these stories? But then at the end of the last episode, they just said they'd agreed to all go and follow him. <laughs> well, I have completely forgotten that detail because it was a week later. So probably some kind of like recap, like clips video or something would have been would have been good. um But but anyway, that was what made it a more coherent thing for me watching it all in in one go there. Um, today and yeah the. Actually, got really, really dark. I will say, I, I kind of hadn't quite realised. I haven't really, I haven't actually played the Hello Neighbor games. I haven't quite realised, and I'm not sure how dark the actual games are. I don't think I don't get the impression. Certainly, the first one wasn't quite this um dark. But yeah, there's like some serious, seriously dark stuff going and going on. And like a uh, one of the characters has been in this episode has been locked in the basement, and uh, the kid has been locked in the basement and is now wearing like it's like completely shell-shocked and yeah and people actually get people actually dying and all sorts of stuff so yeah it's uh yeah it's and there seems to be some occult stuff going on which is which is getting really interesting so yeah i've been really engaged with the series and it's certainly i'm not sure i'm not sure about hello neighbor um whether i've been drawn to play that game from um because i think that's quite a little different but with the updates which we'll get on to talk about in a second that uh and that were previewed in this episode at the end and so on um for hello neighbor 2 that's looking really quite interesting as a game i might actually want to play so um yeah I think the series is serving its purpose of uh of drawing people into the world and they also advertise all uh, a lot of other tiny bit games and there. there's totally reliable tools or something like that for the totally reliable franchise um I don't think any kill it with fire stuff, but maybe I just missed it. Um there was Happy's Humble burgers have been served at lunchtime in the canteen of the school, which is the Happy's Humble Burger Farm is another uh, thing. And then there's um there's probably some other ones I'm I'm missing in there as well, but but yeah, it's uh it's kind of good they've been able to advertise some of the other franchises that um Tiny Board owns and so on. So Quite quite interesting, uh, the way they've done it, and I, and I actually say it's just an enjoyable, entertaining series to actually watch. Especially, I probably recommend just doing the full thing in an hour and I don't know, fifteen minutes. I think the last episode was 15-20 minutes, so an hour and twenty minutes you can watch the full series, first season through, and it was, uh, yeah, really, really quite interesting, and it's got quite a compelling. I think <laughs> I think you can see a little bit of an Easter egg here, eleven nine H N three. Guessing there. Dropping secretly, dropping a, <laughs> a date next year, maybe for uh, Helen over three, or maybe there's going to be an announcement this year on the 9th of November for next year. Who knows? Um, yeah, I guess maybe that would make more sense than knowing exactly the date you plan to release it next year, uh, towards the end of the year next year. Uh, it's hard to know exactly what else is coming out, I guess, so that might move, but. You could have an announcement on the 9th of November, so maybe look out for that. But, um, yeah, so it's been quite good. And I think the Hello Neighbor 2 update they're doing really does look like a complete game changer from what I've seen of the trailer and some of the gameplay of the current game that's out there, Hello Neighbor 2, versus the clips they're showing and the the original, like... um, demo they did for the game and so on which and alphas and things like that that people were really enthused with those look very different to uh to what currently you can see in the game so yeah it could could really be a, a massive game changer we're, we're about to witness and on that subject we did actually get the release date for that game and we knew it was going to come in the next few days because it was supposed to be the halloween release but it's actually that is actually getting released on the 31st so on halloween as well so yeah we'll have to see have to watch closely the reception of that game um that update see what it's done um see yeah see if it's really driven up engagement of with hello neighbor 2 um hopefully so uh still looking to do hello neighbor 3 want to pull that note because i think I think if I look at the figures Helena Neighbor the original Helen Neighbor game still has more uh, has a higher concurrent player counts and engagement than Helen Neighbor 2 at the moment so um even though that's the much older game so yeah we need to drive this but as as um Alex has said in the past that was the case for Helen Neighbor well, initially it didn't do well in its initial release and then um recovered a year or so later when they re-released it, um, improved it and what have you. So, yeah, and I think, and I've talked before about Hella Neighbor 2 and the talk that um, Alex, the CEO, gave on that one, on like a post-mortem of why that, that the game didn't end up being, it largely came down to the game not being what the fans thought they were expecting. Like I say, there was an awful lot of excitement about the demo that was released, but then the actual game wasn't anything like the demo, so it looks like they're moving back to the what was uh vision with the demo, and I, I really like where the, the animated series is going with the seriously uh, like a uh occult stuff and <laughs> Mr. Peterson not being the only alone actor is uh what I can say that, but I probably already spoiled too much of the series there, but yeah, give it give it a watch. It's actually a, a really interesting um really interesting story. So worth worth your time. And uh I think it will spark some interest in the in the the overall franchise. Um yeah, and then another thing to look out for next week is we've got Slime 3K releasing on the second of November. So yep. Yeah. Quite that one is one that the demo is pretty well received. I think it's now certainly in the top six hundred on the wish list. It's not going to be a, a a massive massive game in terms of like um it's not as highly wished for instance as Stray Soul was, but uh it seems to I think it it could still do well. I think it still it looks like it um people are interested in it. I think it uh the demo did well in terms of. I'm pretty sure the demo for 3K got more players than Stray Souls did on on launch, for instance. So, uh, yeah, good quite promising, and I think um, people might not wish this to do maybe, but it's it's still a, got that it's still attached to Despo's game, which has quite a big following. So, uh, yeah, the people that are interested in that one, whatever. But yeah, we'll have to see how that one does. But i I think um, I think it will pay for itself certainly i think it will be a success but it is a much smaller more smaller game anyway so um not sure what it will retail for but i don't think it'll be it's not going to be anywhere near the 30 dollars or whatever that straight souls was going for but um but anyway i think yeah we've got we'll have a few more things to talk about next week with slime 3k helen over 2 update um and so on yeah so we'll uh i'll uh I can touch next week. Um, yeah, this is just for readers of the news letting them know that I do the YouTube video as well. Um, but you guys already know that because uh, you're you're watching the video. Anyway, I'll uh, see everyone next week. Uh, yeah, I recommend giving the animated series a go. Um, it's like I say, I haven't played any of the games. I'm not a major. I'm not. I'm not a major fan of the of these this particular franchise because I haven't played it. Um so but I still enjoyed the animated series in its own right. So it has a they've done a really good job with it, I think. It stands alone very well. Uh which I think was what they were aiming for. And uh, and it has sparked my interest in some of the games, particularly Other Neighbor Two. Anyway, I'll leave it there and I'll see everyone next week.